are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. The Father Revealed in the Son At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All these things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thanks, Erica. Well, this week was amazing. I think it was just a week ago we had sub-zero temps, if I remember. So what a swing. And I got to take down the Christmas lights outside, finally unfrozen from the gutters. I got to pump up bike tires and basketballs. I put out the chairs on the deck but I did not winterize the snowblower because I have lived here long enough <laughs> and March is too early. But it really felt good to be outside and to hear the birds. you hearing birds where you live? Yeah, just awesome. And, you know, Kurt's background, is, he's an engineer by trade, so I am not surprised to hear this little tidbit from him that 10.33 this morning, the spring equinox will arrive. So he would know. Here's a church community where we're also preparing ourselves for Easter. This is the season of Lent that we're in, and we're spending these days in the book of Matthew, just simply hearing and learning from Jesus this lifelong posture and practice that we'd like to have. The words thus far have been really simple and straightforward if you think about it. We had First Communion, actually our first Sunday in this series, and so we heard, take and eat. Jesus said, this is my body. Last week, it was the simple words, follow me. We get to today's passage, and it is, come to me. These clear, concise commands. And that's typical for Matthew, who focuses so much on discipleship. That is a hallmark of Matthew's gospel, following Jesus. And I came across a couple definitions of discipleship that I thought might help us as we begin our study this morning. The first is from R.T. France. He says, discipleship is the lifelong process of learning how to live as God requires. And he pointed out, I missed this, but in reading his work, he says, you know, discipleship has the same root in Greek as the word for learning. Another definition that I ran into was that of an old professor of mine, Mike Wilkins. He says, discipleship is simply walking with Jesus in the real world and having him teach us moment by moment how to live life his way. And I remember Dr. Wilkins was a Vietnam combat veteran. Walking with Jesus in the real world is not always easy having him teach us moment by moment. And sometimes, that's all you've got. There is in this passage a wonderful invitation that Jesus gives to us. Come to me, learn from me, and we'll see it leads to a certain result, namely 
rest. How many of us are tired? How many of us are weary and burdened by something or in need of rest? My guess is that applies to most all of us across this gymnasium this morning. To one degree or another, for one reason or another, we are going to speak to things right where you're at this morning. Life is complex, even in its better seasons. And if you're not careful, it'll kick you right in the teeth. Even if you are careful, it is bound to do that. There are many, many things we recognize are outside of our control. And even what remains in our control is unwieldy. So let's be encouraged as we pick up this word today. Let's have it challenge us, actually move us and change us by what we read in this invitation that God has for us. If you look at the passage in the Blue Bible, that's the NIV that we have here, you'll see that there are three paragraphs that make up this text. But as I outlined the passage this week, I came up with something that would be more in line with the NASB or the CSB which has it in two paragraphs. Now, it really doesn't matter too much either way, but it's for that reason that I'm going to present this passage to you under two summary statements. The first of which I've put like this. Number one, praise God that he invites us to know him like little children. That's my summary over verses 25 to 27 that I wrote down in my notes. And I also noted on the side margin, that this passage begins with praise. Let's look at verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Now, the at that time, at the beginning of this passage, is referring to what just came before it. And if we were to scan up the page or read it on our own later, you'll find that what came earlier was the unresponsiveness of the people of Galilee to Jesus' message. This place far less familiar than come to me, all you who are weary. But earlier on, Jesus says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Woe to you, Capernaum. Because he has come and they don't care. The kingdom of God has arrived. He is proclaiming it and showing it. And they shrug their shoulders and walk away. So these are some of the wise and learned who are referenced. Who in spite of their apparent wisdom and their reasonable nature and their know-how, they just really are not interested. They don't want to hear from God. And I want to ask you if you think that Jesus' invitation to us to follow him now in our time might also come in the context of an unresponsive people. I think that is the case. Now, there continue to be men and women and children all over the place in our country and all over the world who are deciding to follow Jesus. The church in that sense continues to grow. But on the whole, at least where we are in our cultural setting, we're in a time and place where many of our friends and neighbors and classmates and loved ones are standing on the edges on the outside, unresponsive to the call of their Savior. And I say that also as encouragement to let you know, don't be surprised when you find yourself in answering this call that you are stepping out from the crowd and taking the road that's less traveled. 
It starts with praise. Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Now, on the whole, this is a pretty Jewish-sounding prayer that Jesus says here, but the word Father would have stopped people in their tracks. Let me be more specific about why. It's not that they had never heard of this concept. You can read in the Old Testament about God being referenced in Father terminology. And Jesus, in fact, earlier in the Gospel, had taught His disciples to pray, Our Father, who's in heaven. But to do this, what Jesus does right here, to just pray, Father, directly, personally, it had never been done before. Not like this. Presumably, Jesus spoke these lines in Aramaic, which was, the everyday Jewish language. It would have been Jesus' mother tongue. And so he would have said, Abba, I praise you. My father has the familiarity of our word, dad. Wouldn't that surprise you? I mean, if I hopped up here and led us in prayer and I said, dad, catch your ear. And it's perfectly balanced here with Lord of heaven and earth. Do you see that? Side by side. Father, Lord of heaven and earth. All authority, sovereign power, the creator of everything that is, and you get to call him Father, Dad. And I pray for us across these tables that every one of us, without exception, would come to know him in both of these terms. How awesome he is and how approachable he is. But here's Jesus' reason for praise in this passage. He gives the reason. And it's because God the Father has hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Now the these things that are referenced there are the things that Jesus is doing, his teaching, his miracles, who he is. And the wise and learned from whom they're hidden, well that doesn't mean people with advanced degrees or high IQs or stuffy titles. it, It could include some of them, but that's not what he means. Wise and learned here, metaphorically, means those who refuse to turn from themselves and learn from Jesus about what it really looks like to know God. They're wise and learned in their own eyes, and they're unrepentant, and they have no need for Jesus. So what Jesus says is that the true nature and life-changing knowledge of who he is has been revealed, not to the wise and learned, but to little children instead. Now again, this is metaphor language, like wise and learned. So that word that's translated little children is actually the Greek word for baby or infant. Not a school-aged child. This is a babe in arms. And why is that significant? Well, it's because a baby, even more so than a school-aged child, cannot rely on its own resources at all. It is dependent for everything. So little children are those that readily and openly receive what God is revealing through Jesus. An infant, if you think about it, is the exact opposite of a wise and learned and self-sufficient adult. It doesn't mean naive or immature, by the way. It simply means this willingness to receive. I am God-dependent instead of independent. And with this picture in mind, 
you could ask yourself, does this describe me? Do I have this childlike faith that the Bible speaks of? Meaning, do I have an infant's trust in Jesus? Where perhaps, my brothers and sisters, have you and I been adulting instead of trusting God? Where have you been leaning on your own understanding, not fully surrendered, not relaxing in the arms of your heavenly Father? Jesus says in the passage, this is the way that God has designed it to work. He says, it's his good pleasure that he designed it this way, that he's revealing himself to those who are like little children. And then Jesus bases this in how well he knows the Father. Like if anybody knows this, it's Jesus. And this is why he can so definitively say it. Look at verse 27. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. That's quite the statement. It's a huge statement in terms of what's called Christology, which is a big word, but if you think about school, we know things like biology and geology and archaeology. So Christology are the things of Christ, specifically and especially his divine nature. And this verse is huge because it's saying that we can only know God through his Son. And the implication is that Jesus did not just come to die for our sins and rise again. That's where all this is going. That's his mission. And yet a crucial element of that mission is also showing us who God is, what he's like, Here's how you get to know him. Well, I find a verse like this. I had to read this so many times this week. It just kind of makes your eyes cross trying to track this. And so I sketched out a little picture with some arrows that I'm being very vulnerable right now, putting my artwork up here. But um, I want to show you what I, I put in my notes if you can see that little drawing. At the top is the father-son relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And I just used a cloud for the Father. A cloud is a symbol of God's presence. And the stick figure up there on the right, that's Jesus. And the arrow in between them, do you see that? It goes both ways. That shows their intimate knowledge of each other. The Father knows the Son. The Son knows the Father, it says in the passage. And then you and I are the stick figure down below. And I put man, I probably should have picked something else. I mean it in the generic term. This is you and I. And again, you see an arrow going both ways on the right side between us and Jesus. That means he knows us through and through, and we're invited to know him. Look at what we've been studying. He says, follow me, come to me, learn from me. All these invitations from Jesus. And then what happens? The arrow on the left. We get to know the Father by knowing the Son. That's the single arrow in one direction. In other words, if you want to know God, you have to know Jesus. And I want to read to you a passage that's pretty well known from John 14, John 14, 6 and 7. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him.
So that's the first section under the heading, Praise God for this, that he invites us to know him like little children. And let's move along then to the second half of the passage with this summary statement now as we round the corner. Come to Jesus and find rest in following him. Summary statement. And we move now into the verses that are most well known from this passage. Many times I have read these verses at someone's bedside, in a hospital, over the phone, over a cup of coffee in prayer. But as we read these words once more, I want to remind you that these are first and foremost discipleship words. Not just words of comfort, though they certainly are that, but words about following Jesus. Verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I got a book last year from my parents that is called The Burden is Light, written by John Tyson. He's a pastor in New York. And in it he says, most of us will not be tempted to deny our faith, but many of us will be so distracted that we settle for a mediocre version of it. And I hope that this passage today lifts you, if you're in that place, a mediocre version of faith, that it just lifts you right out of that. Out of what is so easy for us in our American context. Most of us have most everything we need. We're comfortable. There are many things to distract us. But this is a stirring invitation from Jesus to come to him and to be yoked to him. Now what is a yoke? It is not the thing that was sizzling in your frying pan this morning for breakfast. Well, my breakfast was not near that fancy. I don't know what you had. But that's Y-O-L-K. We're talking about Y-O-K-E. And that is a piece of equipment found on just about any farm before the invention of the tractor. The yoke is what harnesses two animals together, like two horses or two oxen, to be able to pull a load or plow a field. Just out of curiosity, anybody used a yoke before? Anybody grow up on a farm? Not a lot of us. One in the back there. All right, so we're a bit unfamiliar, but you get the idea. Now there's also another kind of yoke, one that maybe not many of us at all would think of. In the first century world, this was just as common, and it was a human yoke worn by a single person to distribute the weight of a load across the shoulders. So in its most basic form, you can imagine this. You've seen it depicted somewhere. You imagine a couple of buckets on either side, and then they're connected by this wooden cross beam. And you get in the middle of it, you get under it, and you lift it with the shoulders. That's a human yoke. And they do that because the shoulders can carry the heaviest load. Maybe think of an appliance getting delivered to your house somewhere over the years. And and the guys arrive in the truck and they hop out and they put on those shoulder harnesses and then there's the strap that connects them. And you'll just see two guys get underneath a fridge or a washing machine or whatever and they just pop that thing up and walk it right into your house. That's a human yoke. 
Now in the Bible, yoke was used positively, but also often negatively as a symbol of oppression. So being under the yoke meant you're subjected to someone, like a king or a foreign ruler. A yoke implies obedience, servitude, even slavery. And what makes all the difference between the good yoke or the bad yoke is who's in charge. What master are you serving? And when Jesus invites us here to take upon his yoke, it is a metaphor for discipleship, a yoke of learning from him. That is why he says, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's a completely different kind of yoke than what most people were used to. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, we've read about them already in Matthew, often referred to as Pharisees, teachers of the law, they put a heavy religious yoke upon people. If you wanted to be on God's good side, then they had a whole list of 613 commands that you had to keep, and you better keep them all. They were legalistic. They were exacting. There was no room for mercy in their catalog. So the people were weary. The people that Jesus is speaking to here, they are spiritually weary. They had a mountain of religious regulations on the one side, and then don't forget on the other side that the other bucket was the heavy oppression of the Roman government, their occupying force. They were under the yoke of these things. They were weary, they were burdened, and Jesus shows up and he gives them this simple invitation and says, come to me. Come to me, and when you do, something will follow. It shows up twice in this passage. What follows from it is rest. Isn't that what you're looking for? We're reading this 2,000 years later. I mean, doesn't that connect with you? I don't mean just a nap, though that might sound good too. But something way beyond that. Something far deeper. This is rest for the soul. Rest at the deepest level that you could possibly know. Where your inmost being, who you are in here, says, I'm home. I have peace. Finally. And I want us to understand something very clearly as we lay this out this morning and come into the home stretch. That what Jesus is offering to us is not the relaxation of the demands of righteousness. So it's not like Jesus just says, oh, just forget all that. Think about what he said back in Matthew chapter 5. Just some excerpts from this. Listen. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And we read that and say, Whoa! I like the come to me passage. I don't know about this one. If that's true, what chance do I have? And that's exactly the point that Jesus brings you and I to the place where we say, I need you. On my own, I'm sunk. 
Lord, I don't have it. I need your righteousness, your mercy, your love. And his yoke is a relationship. The invitation to come to him. And notice in this passage, it is given to all. Come to me all who are weary and burdened. The only catch, you'll notice, the only requirement is that those who come recognize their need for His help and that you are willing to accept His yoke and learn from Him. So what has you weary and burdened these days? What kind of yoke are you carrying? What's weighing you down so much? What has you pressed under its thumb? You know, it's easy to be yoked to the wrong thing and to look for rest in all the wrong places. And you can spend a lot of years of your life doing that. We bury ourselves in busyness. We find a new favorite hobby and 100%. We're all in. We can find ourselves living for our kids. Living for work. Living for our next vacation. We scroll on our phones. Escape. We escape through TV. Alcohol. Pornography. Netflix and chill. One of the great sayings of our time. Even just a need for a certain level of comfort. Like to be able to afford the things that I want. Matthew had all the money in the world. Remember his story last week? Tax collector, extorting all kinds of money from people. And he wasn't happy. He was looking for rest, looking for a way out. And Jesus shows up at his tax booth and says, here's your way out. Follow me. Today, that same Jesus in this same gospel has said to you, come to me. Learn daily from me. And what it is, is an invitation to walk with Jesus in the real world that you live in and to learn from him moment by moment. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. There's a guy named Doug Webster who wrote a book called The Easy Yoke. And in it, he recognizes the easy yoke sounds like an oxymoron. Plowing a field or pulling a load is hard work. And nowhere does Jesus promise soft ground for tilling or level paths for bearing the load. What he does promise is a relationship with himself. The demands are great, but the relationship with Jesus makes the burden light. So in the spirit of Matthew's simple imperatives, and as a summary of our lesson today, my friends, my brothers and sisters, praise God, know God, come to Jesus, rest in Jesus. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, it is beyond our comprehension 
that you would come to us and look us right in the eyes, Lord, and level this invitation to us. That you, the God of the universe, would visit us in human flesh and invite us to follow you. Lord, you alone know what each one of us has brought in this morning. Heavy burdens. Yokes of subjection and slavery. But Lord, you've come to set us free. And I pray, Lord, that this morning would be about yoking ourselves to you. Answering this call coming to you and finding rest. Would you breathe new life into us? We ask in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.